This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Marcus, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome to another podcast. My name is Marcus. Alan uh, will be following up with another podcast in Whistler. And uh, the, what we're talking about is uh, transportation in the region. We are growing as a, as a community. Uh, Squamish is growing. So is Whistler. Housing is becoming an issue. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. And transportation has come up because the more densification we have, that means we need ways of getting around. Now, uh, I'm sitting here with uh, Susan Chappelle from uh, City Councilor and a uh, magnitude of other things she does around town and with philip angel who also runs the squamish connector this sort of started i'm, I'm going to take somewhat credits for this right because i saw as soon as i saw the mayor on tv talking about gas prices in squamish i automatically shared it and i'm like yeah look at this woo as she was speaking i found the story online and then maybe you caught since i shared it because soon after i would call it a tirade or a rant you went on a big social media rant and you've got a bit of a not flack for it but uh, you, you started a debate again about transportation in in squamish and um about you know the, the whole history there so i want to sort of cover the history and what's going on when it comes to uh transportation but first and foremost i want to go step by step so we are currently being taxed or we're paying taxes at the pumps for transportation. We are not actually paying tax at the pumps. We are not right. collecting our tax. Well, the, that's what I'm saying. Or are we yes. actually paying tax no. at the pumps that's not being collected, correct? We are paying provincial tax and our regular tax, but right. we don't pay any carbon tax. In the lower mainland, there's actually only two communities right now, Metro Vancouver and uh, oh, I can't remember the Victoria. other community that, I, yes, that actually collect their gas tax and use it for funding of their transportation initiatives. Uh, there are other communities where you go to where the gas is actually cheaper because they aren't charging that tax. And our gas prices are actually uh, more aligned with the lower mainland's gas prices, but we don't retain the taxation from well, our that's that's the thing right taxes. i think that was the big thing the mayor was talking about on television is that the fact that you know i think was it 11 cents or 17 cents excise tax cents. In, in in vancouver and yet you know, our prices are virtually the same but we don't have any of that excise tax so there's a lot of money that we're paying that's not going anywhere so before we talk about how we utilize that money is not going anywhere why are we paying that those rates to begin with i don't know if that's a question you it's can a free answer market or it's the petro uh, it's not the individual business owners. Often it's the uh, oil companies that are setting the prices in our region. And then it's set by the oil companies based on competitive market in the region. So we have quite a lot of tourism in our region, clearly. A lot of people traveling the corridor and they can uh, collect the same amount of money as in the lower mainland. It's a business model. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned the rant that the mayor went on. I just, it struck me as unusual because as a councillor that started the transit committee seven years ago, it was a huge topic back then and nothing had been done about it for a really long time. We tried to start uh, a regional transit commission based on information that the province had given us saying that if you want to collect your gas tax, it's possible, you need to start this commission. And then once we see that all the mayors and the region is on board, we can start talk, uh, start talk about collecting your gas tax. So it just never went anywhere. We brought it up with the, I've brought it up numerous times. I've passed motions on it. Uh, 
we had a meeting when uh, our mayor, our current mayor, Patricia Heinzman, was elected. Uh, we had a meeting with all the mayors up in Whistler, and Whistler said, stated that in order to have a commission, there was no interest in starting a commission whatsoever, that they needed to uh, fund their own study to understand their local transit and if they needed regional transit. And for somebody that had been sitting on a transit committee and listening to people complain about regional transit, uh, the bus had just recently been cut from Whistler. Ken Melamed uh, axed the funding model for having a bus between Squamish and Whistler. So our community was upset about that. There had been numerous accidents on the highway from employees going back and forth from Whistler and the bus was packed. So cutting that bus was a huge loss for our community. And there had been no advocacy, and there still has been no advocacy about, and still the questions of whether we uh, put money into localized transit or regional transit, the model needs to be both. Well, we're, we're, I'm just trying to state, so we're paying this high gas price for, some, and then that money can go to somewhere else, which is not going to, but that's just because they're collecting it because they can. Essentially Correct. is what you're saying. So now what you want to do is basically say, hey, you know what? You're going to have to give us some of that money regardless, and we can do a transportation thing like the city. It may end up that if we get a transit tax, that gas prices go up more. It's up to them. It's not – the province would allow us to collect – 17 cents or whatever the model ends up being and gas tax may not actually be the model once a commission is formed once a regional transit commission is formed and everybody buys in uh it's possible that you can develop a new numerous amounts of funding models carbon tax is one of them gas tax is one of them there's many ways to look at funding models for regional transportation uh, currently, uh, according to the mayor this morning, she wants the province to buck up for 100% or 80%, whichever it works out to be. That is ideal, but probably not going to happen. And the current cost is over $6 million, including the now fact... that's an annual cost? Yes. And that's including... What's, 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 we're talking about Infra buses We, had, we still don't have and... the infrastructure. We okay. don't have bus stops. We don't have land use. We don't have... It could include a massive amount of land use changes. And uh, in the meantime, private solutions have, have come up and uh, partnerships have been created. And whenever there's a hole in a market, it tends to be picked up by the private sector. And sometimes it's not the government's responsibility to actually fund all these things. It doesn't mean you don't explore the model. Right. That model should have been explored before we had congestion on the highway. Now doing it five months before election is... You know, still fantastic, but, you know, to rant in the news about it and then right. say, we need this commission when you've had for three and a half years, 13 years. The mayor has been in politics for 13 years. And to now, like, elections in October and now you're going to the press and saying you're angry about gas prices just feels like a little bit of a straw man to me. Yeah, and I, I actually, when I, I'll admit that when I when I posted that thing on Facebook, I said oh, it must be an election year, and I was being a bit sarcastic about that. But it just seemed like it was it was well timed. So, yeah, you're right. If if the government can't fill in, then you have the private sector come in because and fill up those voids, and that's that's why we have a free market. Now, uh, Philip, you you started the Squamish Connector, I think, in hopes of filling that void, and and so far, I mean, you must be going through some certain trials and tribulations then. Correct. Uh, my father started it with a business partner about four years ago. 
uh, the business partner kind of stepped away just to do other focus on other businesses. And I arrived here in January. Um, we've definitely seen a lot of changes. I've been involved in the community a lot. So being able to see that there's this need for um, transportation. But uh, we've also seen the ability that most people just commute to Vancouver. Uh, when it's a nice sunny day, people don't want to leave Squamish. They love Squamish. They want to stay in this area. Well, that's why they're up here, yeah. Exactly. So we've seen that the biggest, our biggest clientele is definitely that commuter, whether it's uh, to go to work, to go to school. And then you have the little bit that people need to go, um, for example, to the hospital or to visit family or whatnot. But that's not our major, major clientele. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about basically up and down the corridor. Are you talking about all the way Pemberton to West Van, or are we talking? What? So we, we only do um, Squamish to Vancouver at the moment. Yeah. So we only do we only focus on the people that live in Squamish and either go to school or work within Vancouver. That's our point A to point B. So what do you need at this point then? If you need if we're talking about transportation and there's been a lack of uh, of support, and you know we we'll, we'll go back to uh, a little bit more of the history. Uh, so what do you need in terms to sort of expand your services? Is that something you're, you're looking is because the market doesn't allow you to expand to cover these different areas, or is it um, you've been stymied somewhere? I mean, I'm sure if if it's such a necessary service, then that means that you should be able to grow without any help from government. That, that's a great question. Um, I think. Uh, transportation is all about trust, is the ability to trust a company to get you from point A to point B, especially when um, it's about your livelihood. It's about your business, it's about, your, it's about school, it's about going to work. Um, so it's how to the community, first of all, to trust us. Um, as well, what we need is for the community to reach out to us and let us know what they need in terms of uh, the times, in terms of location as well. Um, at the moment, we only go to uh, downtown Vancouver, but we're looking to the possibilities of going into West Van and North Vancouver as well coming in the fall. Um, so it's just a little bit of a public outreach to let us know what they actually need. And then also for the community of Squamish, for example, to uh, have feelers um, from BC Transit, so example, making sure that the BC Transit buses get to either Chieftain Centre before 6.50 so that people from Brackendale and other places can get to that point and then we can take them down uh, to Vancouver. So now we're talking about tying in with the city again. So we're talking about transportation planning and and so forth. So let's get a bit of a history then. You started a commission here in Squamish to tie in with Whistler and then then it sort of seemed mm-hmm. to get lost in translation somewhere because you had you had buses running, then the bus was not canceled, and then I'm sort of getting a lot. I'm, the history is a bit jumbled. The history is really interesting for me. It was jumbled as well. The uh, Whistler Council at the time didn't put the bus in long-term funding, so they didn't have it in their capital funding. They had it in a fund that ran out, and when it ran out, it was an election. So Ken Melamed, what who, year is this? Uh, 2011, just at the election time for 2011, Ken basically uh, had to come up with a stance and say he wanted to keep, Whistler wanted to keep their workers in Whistler, which isn't actually the reality. And they decided to cut the funding for both Pemberton and Squamish. Pemberton decided that they were going to include regional transportation. They had a lot of people commuting to Whistler. That was their major employment center. So Pemberton decided they would pay for the bus to go between Pemberton and Whistler. Squamish decided not to. Uh, and I think well, that is absolutely fair. Way. Yeah, yeah it is. We're, employing, we're, we're supplying the employment for Whistler. And Whistler comes down here in shops as well. There's a lot of grocery shopping. But uh, they've got... Um, so they basically decided not to fund our half, and our politicians at the time, uh, uh, Mayor Heinzman was on council at that time, decided not to fund 
the bus to Whistler, and I totally agree with that decision. But at some point, there has to be political capital in creating relationships between the councils and uh, public trust too, not just politicians saying, this is what I want. But if your public wants a bus and they're using uh, private cars to go back and forth and you're having accidents on the highway that are affecting your community's well-being, at what point do you just say, you know, we have to fund this bus? That bus was packed. It was completely viable. We didn't, it didn't fund itself. We still had to come up with a funding model, but 54% uh, is what our community pays for a bus. We don't pull the whole haul with BC well, Transit. If you're, if you're talking about funding models and it wasn't completely viable, then if you still have to put money in there. It's not commercially viable, but right. no, no transit system is unless you're charging market prices. If you want it to be equitable, right. then, but there are other ways to fund it. You do not have to charge. We set the rates for the bus. So the bus to Whistler could be charged at a higher rate right? Uh, or a daily or passes. There's many economic models to, to work that out. How much you want to subsidize to the bus is, is the community's decision. Well, so for me, you know, I've always, since I got my driver's license oh, so many years ago, um, public transportation was never a thing for me. I was just like, you know, I'm going to drive my car. I don't care. And I think a lot of people are still like that, especially the commuters to Vancouver. I'm just going to drive my car. Now we, and, 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 you know, the cutoff from, you said so yourself, the cutoff from Whistler to Squamish made sense at the time. They wanted to keep their staff in Whistler. Now it's the opposite. We have a new company in there that doesn't care. Like Vail, I think uh, when they took over, like, we don't, we don't want to keep our staff here. If they have to commute, they commute. That's, that's their mentality. So that means we might have some more people here, which now what makes me think that maybe perhaps now we need a bus. Um, so where do we bridge that gap now? So you had a, you had a committee here, you had a committee in Whistler. Is there any connection between you two right now discussing about a, a bus? Our transit committee was set up because transit was a major priority. I ran on transit in 2011. So my commitment to the mem the people that voted me in was to uh, develop a transit committee and change transportation locally. And that was also an extremely difficult thing to get funding. It kept on being pulled from the budget. Uh, the mayor, the current mayor, voted against it numerous times because she said that there should be a different model, uh, but never actually wrong, presented a different model. What's wrong with the model currently then? Is it because Nothing. you're drawing, it, you're it drawing money from place that it's not supposed to be drawn exactly. from? Or? No, it's taxation. It's always paid for by taxation, but BC Transit actually pays for a good hunk of the transportation. The province pays for a good hunk of the transportation system. And if there is another model, that would be amazing, but nobody's ever presented a more viable model and many communities use this model. Um, I want to talk about Eduardo, your dad, for oh, a minute. Federico. Fe Federico, yeah, Eduardo's my, my dad. Eduardo, business partner. Eduardo is the person that came to me uh, when I ran the transportation committee and had the idea to open regional transit. And we uh, had him present at the committee with Federico and Eduardo both came to the committee and spoke about the idea of having regional transit and this hole in the market that needed to be filled. So we had them come and present and it was amazing because it was, uh, was it your dad or Eduardo was already going to the city and he bought a small van, so he'd drop off the van during the day and bring people with him and uh, developed a commercial model out of that, uh, which became the Squamish Connector. And it was just amazing to see these really passionate people 
develop this model of regional transportation and solve that hole in the market. And then we looked at, through the transit committee, basically develop partnerships because the gondola also needed regional transit. Right. So developing that partnership was uh, connecting those. I, I love connecting people with problems to be solved. So connected them with the gondola. And they ne then had a viable model where they could bring up tourists when the bus wasn't being used and bring down commuters in the morning. And now it's developed into what it has. So I'm really happy for the success of the partnerships. And I really think that you have to look outside the box to solve these problems. It has to be a mixture of models and it can't just be, we're gonna do this or, you know, and when, as the models get more expensive, that's when you have to start looking out the, outside the box and develop partnerships. Uh, and sometimes you have to subsidize those partnerships to make it viable for the community, but it doesn't mean that subsidization is forever. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it comes down to cost, right? And, and you, it, when it comes to Johnny Commuter, um, at the end of the day, you don't want to pay money for something you're not using. Because if you're saying that we're paying excise tax, they're not being collected, but then if we start collecting, we start paying more a little bit at the pumps again. Uh, this this whole argument started because the gas prices are very high. So you're going to have to explain to me as Johnny Commuter why this is a good thing. Right. Well, you made a great point in the fact that it's hard to get people out of their cars. People trust their cars, and that's thing that's that's hard to take out. But also the fact that we look at gas prices, how much it costs for you to park in Vancouver, um, as well um, the ecological aspect of it all, as well you know carpooling or anything like that. That's a very important point. You know we're talking about the the pipeline, the problems of the pipeline between Alberta and BC. So again, we're moving into uh, also the gas prices rising. So we try to maintain a level where it's cost-effective for you to take. Leave your car at home and take the uh, connector. So in the fact of being able to, um, you know, look at all those points as well as stress. Stress is a huge one, especially, you know, come winter, it's raining, it's snowing. You don't want to drive your car. You can sit back, relax, do a little bit work on the bus and not have to think about it as well. Okay. And? And I have to say, I went to school for two years and the parking costs were insane. The stress of getting over the bridge was insane. I started taking the commuter. For a 10 pass of the commuter, it was cheaper for me to take the commuter bus and less stressful, but the hours weren't convenient for my school. My school ended at 5.30 and the bus left at 5.30. I was having to leave class 10 minutes early, but for me, it gave me so much freedom. I could read papers on the way down. I could sleep if I had woken up, if I was lacking sleep. Uh, and there was that stress of driving in horrendous weather uh, all winter long. And to take the commuter, it picked me up downtown. I could walk to where the bus was. Uh, my husband, we have one car. So at the time, we, uh, I could leave him with the car and take the bus down, take the bus back, and then uh, be a few blocks from my house. So it did take a while for me to get to come to the decision. And once I came to the decision, if I could utilize that bus, it was amazing. And also when I take flights, if I'm traveling to speak, it drops me off right at the SkyTrain. So I can cross the street to the SkyTrain with luggage and hop on the SkyTrain and go to the airport. Well, that's where I can see a benefit too. Like if you're going to the airport, you just dropped off the SkyTrain. SkyTrain goes straight down there. And, and I understand that. For me, it's trying to figure out if you convert some people onto the bus, yes. But you know that conversion is still 
pretty hard because people, when they commute, they have their specific times to be in different places, right? And so I, I actually see, honestly, uh, a need possibly to go back up to Whistler just for just for the sake of, of, of tourist stuff because the parking up there in the winter is a pain in the butt. Also, I think a lot of their workers are going to come start coming down here because Whistler is becoming too expensive. So I can see the commuter working that way. Uh, Vancouver, I, you know, for me, I still... You, my property taxes and my taxation already is pretty high, especially with the values of our homes increasing the way they are. And then with densification and all that sort of stuff uh, that I, I can, it's just, it, you have to give me a good enough reason for me to get in my car or not get into the connector instead of, you know, and pay more tax than, you know what I mean? You see yeah. where I'm going with yep. that? Yeah. Hopefully it, I totally agree with you on the model for Whistler. I would think that the very first thing that we could do and something that's within, you have to look at what's in your decision-making uh, per, like what you're capable of deciding on and what we are capable of deciding on with Whistler is having another bus uh, to Whistler and it's you're right it's not just about workers coming up and down it's also my kids as they grow they want to utilize the mountain I don't want to be driving them up and down with their friends going skiing oh, exactly. all the time or mountain biking or whatever they're utilizing Whistler for we need to develop those relationships and figure out funding models uh, it doesn't always have to be from taxation. People are already tired about spending all that money on gas. So, I mean, to charge them more on gas for a bus, probably they're never going to use. This, you know, this is where I'm not convinced. Prove to me there's, there's a valid reason to have this and to subsidize it. But right now, it's hard to make that case, I think. Uh, and that's why the mayor is on on TV talking about uh, we need to lower our gas prices and this is false competition. They're, they're extorting us instead of talking about maybe um, the transportation issue. Right. So, I mean, if we're going to pay this much gas anyway, all right, let's have some transportation included. But if you're talking about increasing it, then you have to give me another good reason for that. So you're exactly right. We need a funding. If we're going to do regional transportation, we need to utilize the gas tax or the carbon tax. There has to be a funding model. As long as I don't pay for it through the pumps. Like if I'm already paying 150 Oh, no, pumps, you'll be paying for it through the pumps. That, those are our funding models. As, yeah. long, as long as the price doesn't change. They may or may not. You can't guarantee. It's <laughs> private business. We can't. Right. We're, it's supplying a product for us that we're utilizing. It's, you know, we can we can go on the news and complain about it, but the carbon tax is something that can be utilized by for public transportation as well. And again, it's a province promising a funding model that may or may not be delivered. And to say that uh, we had a minister meeting and they suggested something. Uh, means nothing until you have an agreement on the table or until somebody decides that that's how the funding is going to be spent. And we're in competition with other communities as well for other things that carbon tax pays for. It's, uh, and as far as the environment, it is in, it's in, imperative. It, it's not just environment. We can make that environmental argument. Everybody knows that it's good to get out of your car and stop utilizing fossil fuels. But it's not just about environment. It's about lifestyle. It's about safety. It's, uh, you know, and as you say, we're no, probably not going to pull people out of their cars going to Vancouver or to Whistler, but providing people that do want an alternative with a safer alternative, for me, it's about safety on the highway and, uh, and reducing congestion because congestion decreases people's happiness in their community. You're not going to have a happy community if it's completely congested with single-use vehicles. And we do not have the available land. We don't have parking. So clearly we don't have parking. We've yeah. utilized we've utilized our only uh, regional transportation parking lot that was our uh, hub for parking for private business now. 
So there's a lot of different issues that need to be resolved before we get to a regional transportation solution. And this commission that we are probably going to do an MOU about very shortly, definitely before the election, uh, and there'll be some fanfare around it. It's still discussing what is the governance model for a commission. Uh, I think our staff has come up with an amazing model for the commission, but still it takes resources away from looking at other solutions. So I used to be 100% on board with commission. I've lobbied for the commission, but when you get to, you know, it'll be eight years, seven years in by the time the election comes around, uh, you get along that far and then the expense becomes extreme and then all the studies come and you're looking at the studies thinking, is this accurate data? You know, you, already, you know you have to get transportation on the highway, but you need to explore all the models and not just get attached to one. It doesn't mean stop working on the regional committee, but are we going to get buy-in from Pemberton? Maybe, but they've already got their bus to Whistler. Do they want to pay for Squamish's bus to Vancouver? I highly doubt it. Exactly. And, and, you know, but at the end of the day, I think it, with drivers, it's, it's having their cake and eat it too. Uh, as long as we have the regional transit, and if I'm already paying this much money on gas and uh, now it's going to somewhere that health transportation, then I think everyone will be happy. It's, I think as soon as you start raising prices at the pumps, and then it's like, for what? A bus to go here to there? I don't use a bus. This is where you're going to get a little bit of dissent. So as long as you find a model, I think, where you take the money from what they're they're already charging, because obviously they're not charging, if they're charging us city prices, then there's an extra 17 cents going in the pockets of big business. If you convince these big gas people, there's like, no, no, pony up the money like you're supposed to. And then we use that for our, our, our transportation. I think everyone would be happy because everyone wins. Now it's like, now I know there's a reason why for having this money or winning this, this, uh, paying this money for fuel because I know it's not going to corporate fat cats. It's actually helping us here locally. Now, where you're at with the Squamish Connector, Philip, I mean, you're doing a couple of runs here and there. What were, what were your stumbling blocks? Because before you were going up and down to Whistler and you were sort of uh, on the highway and then all of a sudden you sort of... What happened there? No, we always stayed between Squamish and Vancouver. Oh, that okay. was always the case. Yeah, yeah. So um, when the business actually was started, they would, um, my dad and uh, Eduardo would actually drive themselves and they would have only one to two people for, a, you know, a couple of years until it started to get to known, until people started to get to trust it. So really, they built the business just driving one to two people, taking a lot of hits. And that's where the private sector comes in, right? We, we don't, we didn't ask for money. We just asked for support and just kind of acknowledgement that we're here and just letting the community say, oh, yes, we trust this um, um, this business. We trust that they'll get you from point A to point B. Um, what we need is also just to let us know, like Susan was saying, it's like I need a uh, 6.30 departure. And if a lot of people need that, can I make that happen for them as well? Right. So that means you need resources. I mean, that means you have to start adding buses. You start have to start adding infrastructure, right? Which which you've been saying, Susan, that's not quite there yet. Uh, or this is what you're vying for is for more infrastructure for, say, private sector. Or are we talking about like a combination of like you want province to help private sector grow, or is that what you're looking for too? It's like well, we actually already added another bus this this uh, for the summer months. We added another uh, departure, which is uh, the Squamish Adventure Shuttle, which is we're connecting with all the adventures within Squamish to try to bring people from Vancouver up to the different adventures here. So we're already adding that. And that bus is going to be probably the one that goes to North Vancouver. So we're already looking into adding buses and adding, adding different locations and adding different times as well. So we're, we're working towards that to support the community and the community needs.
Do you see? Do you see it scaling up quite quickly? If, if say the infrastructure is created, do you see a, a, a need right now? Just explain to me the market right now, because everyone's saying we need transportation, but you're on you're on the ground level. You you're on the front lines. Correct, correct. So um, you know, we average about twenty to twenty four people on our bus on a Monday to Friday. Uh, that's a daily uh, Monday to Friday up and down. But if you if you just travel the City Sky Highway at seven in the morning, you and you look inside cars, it's single occupancy vehicles all the way down. So there's definitely a need. Um, like you said, it's eco-friendly, stress, all these other aspects that we can hit because of that. So there's the need is there because there's so many cars that are going down. There's so much congestion already. That's within the Cedar Scott corridor. So we're, we're, so numbers wise, then if you if you only have like 24 people a bus that, that you know, I, again, you have to explain to you where the, where, why funding is necessary. So I was one of those one or two people that used to take the bus down with Eduardo and I'd just be sitting all by myself on a bus. And I couldn't imagine why people weren't taking the bus down. Now when I take the bus, I have to book online. If I don't book online, I'm not guaranteed a seat. When I show up, there's a lineup of people to get on the bus. You can bring your bike on, you can bring your luggage on. It's super convenient. And sometimes I'll bring my bike down and then if I need to go on errands, I can take my bike around Vancouver. They've made it super easy. With the private sector, they don't need infrastructure from government. With the government, with BC Transit, we do not, we have a separate system than TransLink. So TransLink now has to interact with BC Transit and BC Transit and TransLink used to have a really adversarial relationship. It, that's, their planners now work together really well. But in order hey, to create- working yay, together. Hey. How about that collaboration? However, if BC Transit wants to interlink with, trans, with uh, TransLink's schedule and their infrastructure, that takes building of provincial infrastructure for transit. So it takes bus stops and interconnections. And then all of a sudden, instead of having a direct link into Vancouver, you're stopping at all the communities on the way down. So instead of an exact, you know, I know that I'm going to, if I leave at seven o'clock, I'm going to be at eight, exactly at eight o'clock uh, in downtown Vancouver. If I take BC Transit and it has to stop in multiple communities, or I might have to take a transfer, it becomes incredibly inconvenient. And then when it fails because the public doesn't use it, then it is OC transit doesn't work. So there's a lot of challenges. And plus the expense of government doing this, the, the enormous uh, overreach, you know, the overriding infrastructure that BC Transit has is very expensive. The buses are expensive, purchasing the buses, purchasing all that infrastructure and the drivers. Uh, it's, it's, it's great employment for our community to have localized transit. But for regional transit, the expense is extraordinary. Is, yeah. And so, yeah. to, so for somebody to buck up that money, yeah. it's, you know, for the, to say to the province that we have to, you know, we need $6 million regionally for all of this infrastructure. Plus, and that doesn't even include bus stops, land use developments, contracts, where we have well, this the is private why, sector, well, this is why whoever committee it is. Committee after committee after committee, right? Exactly. Because you're looking at a $6 million bill and they're like, okay, well, why are we going to foot $6 million? And it's like, well, we had this committee and then we had that committee and then we didn't agree on anything. Then Whistler had a committee and then it was shut down by the mayor here and then that mayor over there shut it down. So wh and then the study and then we and did then, a study and Quest University did so a study what, and BC what, Transit did a so study what, and then what, another study. So the latest study that happened, what does it say now? The latest study says we need regional transit. Oh, okay. That's because amazing. Because it, it's, it's viable. <laughs> it's viable. 
in there for it, it's, it's needed and because of they say things. what it says it doesn't say it's viable okay. it says that the public wants it okay it says that people in squamish uh people commute for work uh that they do daily trips and that Number one, they commute to Vancouver. Number two, they commute to Whistler. Now, did the Whistler study say the same thing? They say they need regional transit. Okay, so where and are we that at, they why, need local transit. So why are we being stymied right transit. now? You have you have the Squamish connector ready to go. You have uh, Whistler and Squamish saying their study saying we need it. So why are we not having it? We are but one. <laughs> you know, like it's like, yeah. Where are it's we now? The political capital. Yeah. I honestly think that creating relationships is incredibly important. I've been feeling more adversarial clearly as you spread my post because you just get a lot of politicking instead of actually solution oriented we have known enough for 10 years now we've known enough to create relationships to create funding models to create regional commissions to explore different models and we haven't done any of it and every time the elections roll around we either cut funding or add funding or do another study but it's all too late. It's not actually solution-oriented. So what's the solution? I'm asking for the solution. Where do we I'm go from here? I'm saying that if we're going to, right now, where I was at, create a commission, we still need those relationships, create a regional commission, but decide on these like things together. To that sounds like square one to me. It was It's square one that was never completed. It's never been done. So okay. we need this commission. We needed it for a really long time. So we're finally getting an MOU, and that MOU says create a uh, committee in order to create a commission so it's another and we just had a committee to create a commission of a committee of staff to create the mou which says create who, it's, who uh, funds it's these really difficult wording we're funding these committees instead you, of the, you are we are that's yes. fantastic that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 not a bad you know at some point you have to create those relationships and explore those funding models so you can put it to rest. But we've never done that. And at the same time, we need to create. I want the Whistler Squamish bus back. There is no reason we can't have that. To say that you want 80% of your workforce to be local is an economic development conundrum because we don't have enough jobs in the community. You keep saying we need, we need, we need to build these relationships. We need, we need. But you still haven't really told me what's what like budget for so, the bus that's okay. all you have to do simple so budget we say, already have that budget. that's been done already so what again you, it seems like everything is there but it's not happening that's right okay the, why is it not happening this is where i'm trying to get that leap from you i'm trying to get that answer why well it's like if everything is set we've had sixteen thousand committees so and a million we asked and whistler about the re i brought forward the regional okay. commission four years ago now right. well, it'll be four years in october and Whistler said they had to do a study. So we had to wait for so the study. That study took two years. Okay. And now it's three and a half years because we, after the study was done, and they said they actually had their press release. We're, we finished our study, and it says we need regional transit. And they go on the press and celebrate that, and that's amazing. And nothing's happened since then. And nothing's happened since so then. So when you no, talk about well, building relationships, we you're now have about a committee. We, then we had this committee of staff that created this MOU to have a committee in order to look at a commission. And or to look at that, you know, what is the political model that we need in place here? But now we have a price tag of six million dollars. Our communities are rapidly changing and it's been a long time. 
it probably should have happened a long time ago. This we is, can't. This is, this is, this is where, catch up. Yeah, this is where I think there's a little bit of mismanagement then. Because, I mean, if you have so many studies and everyone says, yes, we need ritual transportation, then why isn't, you know, we meet somewhere in between Whistler and, and Swamish, get a little table somewhere and go, all right, let's sign this and get this done. We actually only have to budget for it. We The model's already been done. BC Transit can run a bus up to Whistler. And that model was already funded. We can cost it really simply. The infrastructure is already in place. It was already running. And it was cut by the current Green Party member and never put back in place. And then Whistler decided that they wanted to keep their employment local. And that's water under the bridge. Now we need to move forward and we need to either budget for the bus or say, no, we're not going to provide that for our community. And I guess that depends on your political structure coming up to the election. Right. Yeah. Of course, it's all about the election. That's what it seems like. What do you feel? I mean, if they if they start organizing something and they start, if they finally, you know, sign a deal or find a budget, is it does that put a crimp on you as a private sector if they start doing a provincial buses back and forth, or is that does that help you or no? I, I wouldn't say it, it would affect us either way. In the sense that Susan was saying that BC Transit is going to stop in many different places, and most people that we're looking at are the commuters, the people that go to work or go to school. They don't want to take you know, hour and a half, two hours to get to Vancouver to go to work when they can just jump on the bus, it's private, it's a luxurious bus, they can do some work and then just get to work in one hour. So it, in the, the fact that wouldn't really, I wouldn't say affect us because our major clientele is that commuter, it's that commuter base and all the statistics that come out are the people that, you know, the daily commuters, the people that go to work, the people that go to school, the people that drive themselves. That's the statistics that have been coming up. So at, at the end of the day, we're looking at there are solutions in place already, at least one way down to Vancouver, and he, he seems to be busy, which is good. That means there is a market there. And right now, where it seems like government needs to get off its butt is pretty much what it sounds like. Yeah, and we, you know, in terms of what we would like, it's just a little bit of exposure and a little bit. Of, you know, Susan, you were saying that you can't um, advertise for different companies, correct? Um, but just some in, in your current model that you said, but just some, some exposure saying that we. You, um, you know, there's there is an option, there is an availability, there is, um, and we're we're growing in our marketing strategies to kind of let the people know that there is something out there as well. But of course, if you get support from council, or if you can take the epic rides, I was talking to Sean from Epic Rides yesterday, and he was saying that if someone comes down to Squamish but they want to go back to Vancouver, they either have to take us, or let's say they've already booked with Epic Rides, they have to go back to Whistler to take them. So it's it's a bit of yeah. There's a perimeter bus that. Goes, that travels the corridor as well but uh, and stops in Squamish to pick up people but goes to the airport. So not a commuter bus. Again, it's mostly dealing with tourism. And uh, yeah, just having a back and forth commuter bus would be amazing to Whistler. And that is something where you need to create relationships and political capital. Uh, and it doesn't, it just takes the two councils deciding to fund it. And BC Transit funds the other bit. So I guess this is a big uh, political point you're going to make in October then, again. I'm always interested in <laughs> getting better, safer regional transportation. I ran on it last time. We increased, uh, with the changes that were made, uh, having a transportation coordinator was a motion that I made, uh, and that continues to this council. We've increased Within the first three months of the changes that were made after getting a regional uh, a transit coordinator, our ridership increased by 24%. It was the largest increase in transportation. And it has been my passion. Uh, I grew up 
uh, not economically viable is <laughs> in uh, I was low income and I was 15 when I left the house. So I've always taken public transportation. And I think you grew up being used to public transportation, even in other areas. Uh, it's amazing how many people become used to taking public transportation. And even now, millennials, there's statistics that show millennials are not using cars, are not purchasing cars, that to spend thirty-four to $50,000 on a vehicle and then have to pay for fuel costs, insurance. Just, just for a fun fact, uh, London, to, to increase their transit, mm. the way they increase their transit is by offering Wi-Fi on buses. And all of a sudden, their buses were filling up. Right. Simple Wi-Fi. Right. It's, that's millennials, I guess. But it's, a, <laughs> it's also making public transportation... I guess sexy, is, uh, but uh, but looking at your market and uh, it, you can't just rely on your old model all the time. It can't just be seats on a bus. Yeah. It's got to be a culture. It's got to be uh, economically viable and it's got to be uh, a place where you can actually get your work done. People don't like stopping doing work and sitting on a bus uh, and engaging with other people, but it is a... a I saw an ad on the Vancouver buses that said that public transportation was a limousine with, with friends that you hadn't met yet. And I really <laughs> love that advertising. It was great. And that's how I look at it as well. The amount of conversations and relationships that I've created on the bus, uh, going from Vancouver to uh, Squamish and back has been amazing. Just meeting people, members of the community uh, that are doing really interesting things and they have jobs and you wonder why can't those jobs be here? And it makes you wonder about economic development here. And there's a lot of issues that we really need to fix looking at long-term. And it's really developing those, looking at our community like 50 years out and yeah. starting those relationships and those commissions yeah. before you need service, well, not it's, it's one when of, it's things one of many things. Tragic. It's one of many things that are happening in Squamish. I mean, we have the big developments coming in. A lot of people are moving. And, you know, transportation is a facet. Uh, it's, it's interesting that it's coming up now because I guess you're thinking down the line. Um Again, I, for me, it, I, I guess I'm old school. I, you know, I, you're, I'm going to need a little bit more convincing to get on a bus. Um, there's also, you know, being a private sector, there's something that we can that we can offer that the public or that the public sector cannot offer, which is we're part of the community. So we've had calls from someone be like, "Oh, I'm running late from school. Please, can you wait for me five minutes?" We'll do that. You know, um, I need to be picked up here. Can you please do that? We'll try to do, be the best as possible. We're a community-based company, and we're for the community. So that's our goal is to listen to what the community needs and get, and try to give that as best we can. And, of course, it's we, we try to people, treat people like family because that's what it is. It's a small community. And that's what local government should do as well. Susan, it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Philip, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast with Squamish Connector. The website is squamishconnector.com. Correct. Awesome. And we'll be following up this podcast uh, on the other side, the Whistler side. That's where Alan uh, hopefully will nail somebody down That's over there fantastic. and talk about the, the Whistler's perspective. Of, I of really appreciate here. this podcast and you guys bringing local issues and local uh, people and the issues that they are experiencing to light. It's an amazing podcast. Thank you so much oh, for having me. Well, they, I'm blushing. Thank you. This is the Sea to Sky podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky podcast. Thank you for clicking us on.